Welcome to Saltivation. The Saltivation Show is a podcast series featuring the leading voices in salt, where we talk about the issues and strategies to help you make sense of state and local tax. Thanks for coming back to part two of our conversation with Paul Williams, Senior Tax Correspondent at Law360, where we continue talking about newsworthy issues in state and local tax. And talking about home rule lands, you know, we've got Louisiana, the Halsey Bead case is ongoing and, you know, has some issues arising out of home rules. What what are some of the the items related to Halsa Bead that you all are, you know, watching and reporting on? Sure. Well, well, there are a few. Uh, you know, certainly the case itself, uh, which is uh, currently on appeal before the Fifth Circuit, federal judge had dismissed the Halsa Bead's challenge on the Tax Injunction Act grounds, saying that federal courts didn't have jurisdiction because, you know, it involves a, a state tax issue. And so that's really the issue that's on appeal now, um, not so much the merits of whether or not Louisiana's decentralized local sales tax system, you know, could potentially, um, you know, impose undue burdens under under Wayfair. The taxpayers made the case that, or at least argued that uh, the Tax Injunction Act shouldn't apply here because they're challenging the the burdens themselves, the alleged burdens themselves, instead of an actual tax assessment. So they think that's kind of an exception to the Tax Injunction Act. That's really where it's before the well, what's before the court now at the Fifth Circuit. I don't think any briefs have been filed yet there uh, on appeal. But kind of related to that, there was a constitutional amendment that Louisiana voters had uh, rejected last year. It was closed, I think it was 51-49 or 52-48, that they voted against uh, creating a single unified central sales tax collection system for both in-state and out-of-state businesses. Because right now, the Louisiana does have their centralized remote seller commission for, for remote sellers to file through as one portal. And in-state businesses have to file with each parish in which they in which they do business. And so after the voters rejected that amendment last year, there was an effort this year to get it on the ballot again. And, you know, that the Halstead Bead case was filed just a few days after the constitutional amendment result from last year. And there, there was a push to get it on the ballot again this year, and it got all the way to the end. It just needed one final concurrence vote from the Louisiana House, and it didn't come up. And essentially, the local government groups there had, you know, had some opposition to it throughout. Uh, they thought that they wanted it to say more that the single commission would handle the remittance of taxes instead of the collection. And the sponsors and proponents of the amendment said, well, collection is what this is all about. You know, so there's there's a push and pull there as to you know how much power the local governments wanted to retain for the local tax collection versus you know what the, the sponsors thought that the state you know may need to do, as you know, some have argued to to comply with Wayfair. It, it is interesting to note though in the Halstead Bead case that the complaint that Halstead Bead filed didn't actually mention the Remote Sellers Commission, at least not by name. And that was an argument that the, the parishes and the State Department of Revenue, which was also involved in the case, uh, had made. Yeah, you know, that they already offer this symbolized, this centralized sales tax collection entity. And they've tried to reduce the burdens for for remote sellers. Uh, I can tell you, counsel for Holstead B, Joseph Bishop Henchman from the National Taxpayers Union. You know, I asked him about that in one of our stories, and and he had said, well, centralized filing isn't everything. The commission still directs you to the individual parishes to figure out some of the local rules, and it doesn't do enough. But that is one element of the case, you know, if the merits do get decided on is, you know, that Louisiana has a centralized collection effort in place. Um, I guess, you know, the, the question is, is it enough? Um, but 
you know, the, the Remote Sellers Commission has been, you know, operational for a couple of years now, and it is collecting revenue uh, for the state. Yeah. Well, it'd be very interesting to see with our SEP system in Colorado as well. Arizona's been very successful with the cities, the home rule cities being collected at the state level for more than four years. So clearly there's more money going out to them and being collected because it's states, state administered, even though some of the rules are different. And we have the same issue in Colorado where we'll have a common collection point and a registration point, but not a common sense of rules. They all have different rules. And that is problematic for us in Colorado for taxpayers to comply. And that, that was also one thing that some of the, the local government groups that we talked to, you know, this last year when the decentralized sales tax amendment, the renewal to put that on the ballot, uh, you know, had failed in the legislature. Uh, some of local government associations in Louisiana have taken the position that, you know, really it's up to the state lawmakers to fix the system because, you know, th there are certain local exemptions that are outlined in statute or, you know, optional taxes. Uh, they're just, the, the state has the ability to simplify some of the tax base for the local governments mm -hmm. through statute. Um, and, and some of them are even in the constitution, some of the, the local exceptions. Uh, and so the local governments say, this is really, you know, it doesn't matter who collects it, you know, it's going to be complicated unless, you know, the state simplifies the, the different tax bases and exceptions. Uh, you know, so that's one argument that they're making down there as well. Yeah. Well, we have the opposite really where we have Colorado's like 81 exemptions and the cities don't agree with them. So we don't have a universal manufacturing exemptions. The city's tax says and the state doesn't. That's not an exemption. That's just not a taxable product or service. So we have a lot of disparities, but it kind of goes the opposite way where we have more exemptions at the state level that the cities don't have overridden because they have home rule authority and the states are easier to lobby. So it's easier to get a state exemption enacted than to get each little city because you're not in every little city. There's 70 in Colorado that are home rule. So yeah, it's very interesting how we've given this authority to the locals, which I appreciate why they need it. I appreciate why our states need authority because the federal government doesn't give them enough money, but it does create a lot of complexity in tax compliance. So, and, it, and the voluntary system that we have. Well, and Judy, you saw, right, and call my bluff if I'm misspeaking, is, you know, we had the license fee issue in Colorado and where, you know, all of the the jurisdictions could say, you know, you owe me $15 for a license fee because you sold into here, so you're doing business. But I think the state kind of overruled that. If you're not physically located in that jurisdiction, you can't impose like a license fee and the state was able to get around that by a matter of what statewide concern? Statewide concern. So, in order for Colorado to override a city authority or a state, a county authority or any local authority, it has to be a matter of statewide concern. But there was a ton of jockeying that happened in the back room to get these cities to agree. I mean, we had multiple calls with different cities. Some cities were hard and fast. They were absolutely insistent on their registration fee. They needed it. They wanted the money. And other cities were like, we'd rather have more taxpayers and give up the fee. So we were split in our views on that. So it did ultimately have to come down to the state legislator overriding it. But there was a lot of agreement in the back end. You know, one of our reporters had written up a story on the amended complaint that Wayfair had filed against Lakewood just in the last week or so. And you know, when you look at both Wayfair's case now and the Halstead Bead case, uh, you know, it does kind of you know bring up the question of you know to to what extent you know if any do home rule jurisdictions, uh, you know, what what are limitations on their authorities potentially, or what burdens can can their varying local rules create for companies that just want to comply with the Wayfair decision? 
certainly, as you mentioned, Colorado has the, the SUD system. And I, and I think this complaint goes back just to before uh, periods before Lakewood had joined. Um, maybe there's some overlap, but I think it's, it's, it kind of stops right when that happened. But it's, it, it's an interesting case because, you know, since Wayfair came down and, and different practitioners we've talked to and different, you know, tax conferences we've reported on, you know, practitioners have raised the question as to, you know, whether or not Wayfair gave local governments the authority to also impose economic nexus for, yeah. for sales and use tax. And so, you know, now this case, uh, you know, with, with Wayfair now against Lakewood, you know, has the potential, I guess, to really kind of highlight those issues and, and kind of clarify potentially have a court clarify, you know, what, uh, you know, what Wayfair meant, if anything, for the local government authority and, you know, when undue burdens may or may not exist. You know, so that that's really one issue that, you know, it's kind of been been percolating. We've heard people talk about it for a while. And, you know, now this uh, with the Wayfair case being filed, you know, a court may potentially have a chance to to revisit that. And uh, similar, Halstead Bead's a, a little different because it's you know challenging the whole structure of Louisiana instead mm-hmm. of just Wayfair, instead of just uh, one city in itself. But tax practitioners there have said even the Halstead case could also kind of, you know, further clarify Wayfair, you know, follow up as to when, you know, undue burdens are, are created. But I will say too, uh, you know, Adam Timish, a tax professor at University of Nebraska College of Law had said about Holstead Beads, you know, if he were designing a tax system, it wouldn't look like Louisiana's, but the question is, you know, is that unconstitutional? And uh, so, yeah, I guess that's one thing that, you know, courts are, are going to have to wrestle with, but with the Wayfair case renewal, yeah, I mean, some, you know, observers believe it, it could be you know, one to kind of, you know, further, you know, clarify to what extent local governments have the authority um, for. I mean, all uh, three of these cases kind of are going to hit on good issues that it's simulated might give some transparency to, you know, taxing jurisdictions about how they can go about adding, enforcing laws, you know, and, and overriding or, or taking tax positions against taxpayers. So it's kind of an interesting ripple effect. We're seeing all these years later, and now we're going to get more clarity with these cases, I hope. Or just, you know, yeah, hopefully clarity, but it could just even like muddy the waters even further, right? Oh. Well, because then there's how long are these going to take? And are you filing a bunch yeah. of protective claims? Kind of like, you know, Philadelphia's got this potential kind of liability $10 million, $10 million dollars on people, right? And at um, some point that goes away. If you don't file those claims, that statute closes. So you got to get those out now and in the system, and they're just going to sit there and wait for that money to come to you if the state loses or the city loses. Yeah. No, that's an interesting point. So all that paperwork really to preserve your rights and the government's just spent the money. (laughs) It's not like they didn't allocate it to something. So then as we wrap up here, Paul, we've been talking pretty much kind of in the micro focusing on some of like the city level stuff. So if we take a step back, what nationally kind of, are you seeing any trends from a litigation perspective that just you know, I kind of have my viewpoints of what maybe, and maybe this is specific to like a training that I've read a bunch of cases on, but is there something that you're seeing kind of nationally trend-wise that, you know, litigate common themes are being litigated? I guess in this, this year alone, one of the the common themes that come to mind is uh whole, you know, taxation of uh, pass-through um, sales of interest in in pass through um, entities. Uh, there was the VAS Holdings case in, in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. you know, where a f- Supreme Judicial Court in Massachusetts, you know, held that 
the state, it could have been constitutional for them to tax the interest from uh, that a uh, Florida corporation realized um, in selling it past their business, but you know the state law didn't permit it. In New York, there was Goldman Sachs case, New York City case, uh, where they, they said that the city could tax a London-based Goldman Sachs unit for their sale in a in the city-based partnership interest. And um, there's one out in California too. I can never get the name right. I think it's Metropolis. Um, it's the Metropolis Family Trusts okay. at all, whatnot. Yep. Sure. So, uh, you know, that's one thing that we've seen, you know, just in the last few months, uh, a spate of decisions about uh, as to, you know, to what extent states or, or localities can, you know, tax sales of, of interest from entities that are based out of the state, but, you know, they're selling something in an in, in, in state presence. Uh, I think Professor um, uh, Richard Pomp from Connecticut had said it's one of the hottest issues in you know, state tax litigation at the moment. Uh, and certainly there's a lot of money at stake in, in some of these yeah. cases too. So. No, exactly. And they're saying you had Nexus, you filed a return there, you made money there, you were doing business there. And now when you made a gain, we get a piece of it. Anyway, thank you for being here with us today. Yes, thank you. No, I really enjoyed <laughs> it. And you know, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, this has been Saltivation. Until next time. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended, nor should it be relied upon as legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. You should consult with a competent professional to discuss specifics of your situation and the applicability of the information presented.